welcome back to The Abnormal Christian. I am Brad Mason. I'm here once again with my not-so-feeling-well wife, Natasha Mason. Hello. And there she is. She's not feeling very well today, so she's a bit under the weather, over the weather, around like it. every other episode, you're... Where either one of us is sick, yeah. So it's the time of year. Luckily, we don't have coronavirus, so we're happy about that. Um, mm-hmm. Has it made it to North Carolina yet? We hope it stays away. Um, but we're, uh, you know, we're kind of getting along as we can. So we're glad that you're back. We're glad you're listening to the podcast. Thanks for uh, to everybody who has been helping it grow. Um, we appreciate you sharing it, liking it, subscribing, whatever you want to do there to kind of spread the uh, the message about the podcast and more importantly, the message about Jesus Christ. So this episode, we're going to be looking at something, uh, probably telling a little bit of a story to go along with this, but it's going to be called Seeking the Truth. And so this episode is going to be called Seeking the Truth. Um, And it really comes out of a place, um, I'll read a verse out of Ephesians, and it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. So your loins are supposed to be girt about with truth. And truth is really, as a Christian... Is it important? To me, it is. To you, it is. So, um, and I'm going to use you as a questioning board so you can answer questions. So, uh, or you can, you know, we'll just go back and forth a little bit. So the truth is important to you, right? So uh, as a matter of fact or detail, how important is the truth to you? On a scale of zero to 10? Yes. Well, let's, so let's start with how do you how important do you think the truth is to you on a scale of uh, zero to ten? Don't say eleven. <laughs> uh, probably an eight. So, the truth being uh, now now being that the truth involves facts and factuality and factual information, um, how important are facts to the truth that you you want to know? I mean, on a scale of one to ten, your your truth is important to you uh, to an eight. Um, and the facts that support that truth, should they be at the same level or are they a different level? Well, I would think they would be the same level. So you would hope they would be at the same level. Now, if there were something that came along that um, maybe disproved or disputed with a, a truth or a fact that you believe to be true, would you be willing to um, listen to that? Would you be willing to accept, maybe not accept it, but would you be willing to look at it from a different perspective? I think I would be. Okay. So, I mean, that's fair. I think that's, uh, we all want to think that we're, we're open to things. Uh, we all want to think that we're open to, um, more information and more facts. And we want the fact, you know, we just want the facts of what's going on because this is how we just the facts, ma'am. Right. This is how we build, um, the truth about what we know. And so Ephesians there is talking about girding our loins with truth. Um, and so that it's, it's wrapped around us, you know, it's really, it's this covering thing where we surrounded ourselves with truth. Um, and there it's talking about the different armor of God. And so the reason I really bring this up is because I want to give a little backstory um, into kind of the podcast, where we come from, kind of where I come from, um, and how I wound up where I am today. Because we've discussed a little bit about our uh, relationships in the past and things that we've had to deal with, um, some sicknesses and things we've gone through, uh, but really not so much about how did we wind up where we are today, and and really the belief structure that we kind of, we have um, so just, I was going to go in and just tell a little bit about kind of the backstory. So rewind probably 
Um, I'm 43, so rewind a long time ago till I, when I was five. So um, I was five years old when I got saved. I was born again when I was five. Um, my brother was born again when he was four. Um, I was saved in a farmhouse in Lexington, uh, North Carolina, um, out on Friendship Church Road. We drive down the road every now and then to take our daughters to school, so I know where it's at. Every now and then. Yeah, just about every day. So um, I know I know the exact spot. The house is no longer there. It was plowed. It was torn down, plowed under, a new house was built. But I know the exact location where the house was. So I can I like driving by there because I can point at that spot. I think I took a picture of it one time and posted it on Facebook and said, this is the place where I found God. This is the place where I got saved when I was five. And as a little kid, you know, as, as five years old, um, I don't remember... We talked about how a lot of people have the old man that they they used to remember. Um, you get saved as an adult, and so you remember the old man. And maybe it was you were um, a drinker, a fornicator, uh, an adulterer, whatever it was. All the things, the sin that you used to be defined by, you're no longer defined by that. So you can look back and you can see the old man, and you say, um, "Yeah, that was the old me. This is the new man that God has you know made in. He's made me in Christ." So I don't really get the the benefit of that. Um, because I was saved so young. And and so um, I don't remember a lot. There was no real old me versus new me. You know, there was no old Brad, the old dead man versus the new man alive in Christ. It was just, I knew that I was saved and believed in Jesus. And and this is a part of my life and a part of my heart since I was five years old. Now people want to say, you know, um, there's those people who question whether or not you can lose your salvation. Well, I I believe you could lose your, I'm going to tell you, I haven't. Um, I, since I was five years old up till today, I'm 43 and the Lord has never forsaken me. He's never abandoned me. I've done bad things. Yes. Um, and, but the Lord has never turned his back on me and I've never had that moment in my life where I've ever doubted. Um, I, I mean, I think a question at times like people do, we all do, we all question, you know, man, I really, you know, why does the Lord love me? Why does, you know, why does he really want to be in a relationship with me? I have that question at times. Um, but the salvation I know is firm and secure because of he, the the salvation belongs to the Lord. This is what the scriptures tell us. It's not mine. It's his. It's his to give and it's his to keep. He's the one who holds it, not me. Um, and he promises that there's nothing that'll ever be able to take me out of his hands. So since I was little, I was five years old, I got saved. My dad was, um, uh, I think it was in the military. He was in the Air Force uh, in his younger 20s. Um, he gets married. Uh, he goes, um, he ramble. He's one of those rambling guys from the 70s, you know, just kind of rambling around. Uh, my grandpa was a preacher in uh, North Carolina. He started a couple churches here. He traveled around and did some evangelism during his um, during his days. And so my dad uh, eventually wound up feeling like the Lord was calling him to preach. So we um, we move um, to um, Greenville, South Carolina, and my dad goes to Bible College at um, Tabernacle. Uh, Baptist Church in Greenville. Fantastic. Dr. Harold Seitler was the pastor at the time. Fantastic church. Absolutely. You know, when I look back on my childhood, I remember all these things where we were involved in ministry and where we're always involved in the church and where we were um, involved in doing the work of the Lord. Now, you know, uh, people get the idea that people who are in ministry um, have a lot of money or, you know, you see the guy on TV and he's the preacher, uh, Benny Hinn. The guy's got millions of dollars, makes a ton of money, off of television and uh, those. And so people, that's what people in the world associate with as the church. When people hear about um, the priests in the Catholic church molesting little children, that's what they assume Christians are. Oh, that's a part of Christianity. I don't want to be any part of that, you weirdo. So, you know, when I grew up, that was, people always have that idea that, well, you, oh, you were a preacher's kid. Yeah, you almost had money. Um, And it's absolutely the other side of that. It couldn't be further from the truth. We, you know, we were, and everybody likes to think at some, uh, at some 
some level they were poor and, uh, you know, when they were growing up and maybe they weren't deserved. We were, we were absolutely, um, and we weren't, we were poor in financial means, but I know our, our lives with Christ and our, our relationship with God and, uh, the ministry we were involved in, even as kids was amazing and it was wonderful. And, um, so I grew up in that and I grew up in the church setting to where, uh, you did what you were told and everything somebody told you you're supposed to believe. And because they're adults, you know, your kids, you're going to believe it. Um, because an adult came up to you and told you something was true, you believed it. And, and people go, well, that's not an actual thing, but you could look at it and say, well, how many of you believed in Santa Claus? Because somebody told you up to a point you believed a fairy tale until you discovered it wasn't real. Right. So, you know, that's how it is. And, and I'm not trying to relate the, the Bible and church to Santa Claus, but it kind of goes a little bit in the story there. Um, but there's this idea that until we we really find out something for ourselves, um, it's easy to be fed. Right. Um, this is we've talked about it before with cults. Um, it's very easy for a cult leader to get people to do what he wants. Uh, all he has to do is convince them of a couple things, that he's got something special, he's got a message nobody else has, that he's hearing from God specifically, or that he's deity himself. And people are just, wow, you yeah, know, this guy's got something, you know. It's just, you, you told me something, and now I believe it. So I think a long time uh, into that, I, I grew up in that. I grew up in that idea of you don't really question what the preacher says. You believe everything you're told in Sunday school. You, uh, you know, we talked about Abraham and Isaac when Abraham goes to offer up his son. When I was a kid, we were told he was what? Abraham took his son, but we're always told his son was... He's like a... Little kid. Yeah, we're always we're always given this image that he's a little boy and that he doesn't really know what's going on. Far from the truth. You read the Bible and the guy's thirty some years old. You know, I mean, he's an absolute adult. And he knows what's going on. Um, and so, you know, the idea we've we've painted the we paint these pictures of things that are easier for our children to understand and digest, but they're not really the truth. And we we gloss over that. That's and I don't want to call it a lie because I don't really. It's not the truth, but it's not this intentional thing. I think people did to um, to be malicious. I think it was trying to. We we made the children's books and the stories, and we draw the pictures of King David as a young boy and all these different. You know, we draw all these different um, people in different settings to try and appeal to children. And so we we kind of I don't want to say dumb it down, but we take a lot of the facts out of it because we want to make it a cool story, right? So I grew up in the church, and uh, I grew up independent fundamental Baptist. If you Hey, you can't get any more hardline Baptist than an independent fundamental Baptist church. Um, they're independent from the Baptist denominations, other Baptist congregants. I don't know what organizations, that should be a better word. Um, in the South, you have the Southern Baptist Convention um, that most Baptist churches uh, belong to. The independent fundamental Baptist churches were Baptists who said, we're not going to answer to any group or any organization. We're going to be independent. We're going to go out here and we're going to set up a church and we're going to follow the Baptist creed, right? So that's what they were. And um, my dad grew up, uh, went through uh, Bible college, got his uh, bachelor's, I believe, um, and, and went on to preaching and went on to ministering and witnessing. So we moved around a lot. Um, we moved from New, uh, North Carolina to Kentucky to South Carolina to New York to Arizona, uh, back to Kentucky, I believe, um, and then back to North Carolina, back to the hometown where our family was. And it was really all a, a set of unfortunate circumstances. Um, it was God's timing, God's will, but um, my mother had gotten sick and we had run out of money. And, you know, you kind of just have to depend upon your family at times. And the Lord puts those people there for that. So we did all that, right? So we traveled around and, and, and I stood and I know I went to Christian school with Natasha. We went to the same school. She doesn't remember <laughs> me. I had class with her. 
I was a year older. You were a year older, and I think we sat at the same table in a couple classes. But, you know, I, I didn't make that big of an impression. That's the kind of guy that I am. So it's okay. That's fine. <laughs> but even then, we were growing up in both in Christian school. We, we, we went to Christian school. To, uh, did you go to Christian school almost all of your life? I uh, was in elementary school up until third grade, and then I went to Christian school fourth through sixth, and then I don't know if it was a financial thing, but then I went to public school in seventh and eighth grade, and then came back to Christian school in ninth grade and finished in Christian school. High school mm-hmm. years were Christian school. Yeah. Right. So in, in, our, in the Christian school we went to, uh, we had Bible class. Did you have Bible class? Every year. We had Bible class every year in, in the Christian school. So, um, and, and can you remember half of what they taught you? No. No, me neither. But I knew, I, I had plenty of arguments with people in my class, um, plenty of um, biblical debates, because I grew up in church and I knew, the, I knew the Bible pretty well, and I felt like I knew the Bible pretty well. And I, I, I'm one of those people, I really kind of, and I'll admit, I like to be on the fringe. I want to be out there by myself, right? You want to have the special thing. Um, and so I think when I was in school, I kind of pushed that. And I had one of my best friends, he told me, uh, sit down, stop rocking the boat, you know, because he was, we were talking about, I can't even remember what it was, um, but he didn't, he couldn't uh, refute Kind of like when Paul is talking to the Jews and he's, he's laying out uh, Jesus being Messiah and the Bible says they can't refute. He couldn't refute what I was saying. He, he didn't have an argument. He just got angry with me and said, sit down and stop rocking the boat. You know? And so I was like, I'll never forget that because that was kind of crazy. Um, but that's how it was. So I grew up in the Baptist church, loved the Baptist denomination, still love the Baptist uh, denomination today. Um, if we do attend a congregation or a church, um, there's not many Messianic churches or congregations here. So we will attend a Baptist congregation because I can more um, uh, understand and get along with the doctrine of salvation that is taught because it's absolutely correct um, that faith is by grace. It's not about works. It's, um, you know, unless anybody should boast about what they did. So I I really get along with that. Um, But as I grew older, you know, the Lord, when I was 15, I felt like the Lord called me to preach. And so I kind of... um, I got a little bit into that, um, but when I was 19, I kind of sidelined myself by having a marriage, getting married, and deciding that was going to be the greatest thing to do, um, and that kind of sidelined my life, right? Um, and so I didn't follow through with Bible college, didn't follow through with um, pursuing uh, ministry. That was going to be the goal, um, but that got all shot to pieces within seven years. Um, so that whole thing fell apart, and and I was kind of left in this position of um, not knowing, not understanding what I'm going to do with my life. And a lot of that has to do with bad choices, bad decisions I made. I admit that. Um, but at the same time, I didn't see where God was going to use me and how God would continue on to use me. So the things that I knew, I was going to a little church out um, in the country, and I, I got to preach there a couple times, and me and my brother were going there. And uh, my dad, my dad had gotten into uh, studying in the Hebraic roots of our family because uh, on the mother, grandmother's side, his mom I believe there's some um, some Jewish folks on that side. So we kind of got to studying some history, and he started looking at um, the Hebraic perspective of the Bible. And I remember I didn't understand this. I was in my 20s, and we had one whale of an argument uh, between me, my dad, and my brother because we were telling him, you're crazy. This is the craziest thing we've ever heard. Some of the things you're saying don't even match up with what you used to say, and I don't even understand where you're coming at with some of this stuff. you know. And it was, it was that much of a... Um, it was that it was in so such contrast 
to what I believed at the time that I couldn't wrap my mind around it because this truth, these truths that I held were things that I had been told. It wasn't necessarily a truth that I knew the facts to. It was a truth that somebody told me. And, um, and I think we do that. I mean, you're listening to this podcast and we could sit here and I could tell you stuff all day long and I don't know if you're going to believe it or not, but I would, I absolutely encourage anyone to go check the scripture and look behind me because you should never believe anything. Anyone says straight out of their mouth, straight face without no, faith cometh by hearing, right? And hearing by the word of God. It doesn't say faith cometh by hearing and nothing else. The, the scriptures themselves says your faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it's the word of God that gives us that faith. That's where your faith's going to come from. We know what Jesus did because of the word of God. It's not just some guess. We don't have to guess, or maybe he did this or that. No, we know. We can look, we can search the facts. So if someone comes to me and they say, hey, you know, uh, there was a claim going a couple years ago, back in the 90s, I uh, can't even think of the producer, but there was a movie, I think it was called The Last Temptation of Christ, and the movie was about Jesus being tempted um, in an affair or something, I can't remember, I don't. I, I never he saw it. He got married or something? Right. Maybe? I don't so know. It, was this, it was this idea that someone had had to make a movie about something that wasn't even in the Bible, it wasn't even factual, it wasn't even biblical, there was no proof to support this claim, but people were going to see it, and I remember people coming up to me saying, did you see that? I can't believe Jesus really did that. And I'm like, where? Where do you see that Jesus really did that? You watched a movie on a screen. We're not supposed to do that. And this is the same thing when it goes to following, blindly following church leaders. There's a difference between submission, right? Submitting yourselves to those who are in authority over you. Absolutely. You submit yourselves to people who know the truth, who speak the truth, and can confirm the truth. That's what we're supposed to do. If you are following your pastor, your 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 preacher, or whatever it is, and he is teaching you the Word of God, and he's teaching you the truth, you submit yourself to that. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be in humble submission to that. Um, we're not supposed to be just following along blindly and just going with the old, uh, well, my preacher said, my preacher said, but my preacher said, but my preacher said. Okay, your preacher said. What does the Bible say? Exactly. What did the Word of God say? So, you know, anyway, so back in my 20s, I kind of got in this argument with my dad about this stuff and and the messianic roots of some of the things uh, in the Bible and things that are not in the Bible. And uh, I remember I picked it. He gave me a book to read, and I did not want to read this book. It was just, I was just so hard set on. I knew what I knew what I knew, even though I didn't know why I knew it. I knew it, even though I don't know why. Um, So I sat down and read this book. And it kind of challenged some of the things that I thought. And so, you know, I was like, man, this book is good. It really points out some things, but that can't be right. So I I went with the book and went back to the Bible and started looking in the scripture and started looking for the claims that this book is making. Because here it is saying um, that, you know, the Passover um, is, is when Jesus went up to Jerusalem to be crucified. And it's saying that Good Friday is not a real thing. You know, that good Friday, Jesus, if, if Jesus said he was going to be crucified and he's going to be in the grave for three days and three nights and he's crucified on Friday, how in the world did he raise from the dead on Sunday morning? It's only two days. Yeah, that whole thing, right? That whole idea, that whole premise either makes the Bible untrue or it makes Jesus a liar, one of the two, because he said he would do it. Now, I've had people tell me, well, maybe that was just metaphorical, right? But we just read in the chapter of Acts, in Acts chapter 9 and 10, where Peter made the specific claim. Peter said he was dead for three days. 
Peter says he's dead for three days. The witnesses who saw him said he was dead for three days. He said he himself would be dead for three days and three nights. And so I, I couldn't work that out, you know, because the current church and the current society, uh, Good Friday is getting ready to roll up around in April and everybody's going to be wanting to have Friday off so they can get a three-day weekend, you know. Well, that's what it's about. You know? Right, because he, he he's crucified supposedly on Friday morning and he raises from the dead on Sunday morning, according to the Bible. <laughs> Right. According to the Bible, before the sun even comes up, that's not three days and three nights. So, you know, I kind of got to where I was like, Lord, I don't understand what I'm seeing. What is going on here? Why is this not making sense? And so then I started piecing more of it together or seeing more of the complete picture. Because when we grow up in, in the modern church, we kind of separate the Old Testament from the New. There's a divider in your Bible. It's a couple of blank pages. I would rip that out if I were you. That is not meant to be there. Um, but we divide those two halves and we say the old is them, the Jews, and the new is us, the church. And so a lot of us don't go back to the Old Testament unless it has to do with telling a story, unless we want to find some kind of moral story to tell. A lot of preachers will do that. They'll go back and get to, to David and Goliath, and then they'll preach a sermon about how you can slay all your fears and how you can slay all these things. You know, they take the story and they turn it into their moral idea that they want you. They miss the whole facts about what happened and what, what this really is about, but they're teaching us this morality, this moral story, which is fine. You can do that. Um, but at the same time, you can't ignore the things that the Old Testament says, right? So back to the Good Friday thing, since I'm picking on that. Um, if you go back to Genesis and you go to Genesis chapter 1, it tells you what God says a day is. It is also important to remember that Jesus was a Jew and his father set the structure of the week. And so if his father set the structure of the week, he followed the structure of the week. So when he says he's dead three days and three nights, it's three days and three nights according to Genesis chapter 1 when the earth is created. The evening and the morning are the first day. The evening and the morning are the second day. The evening and the morning are the third day. So once we figure that, once we get that math in our head, um, it starts to make sense because in Leviticus, it talks about a sacrifice in the month of uh, Nisan, the first month of the year on the 14th day, there's supposed to be a sacrifice. It's really, I mean, again, we went to the same Christian school and I just learned what I needed to learn to pass the class. And didn't really think anything deeper. It was very no, superficial. We, and we, but you know, but you know Jesus enough, and that's the you know we get that, and I and I think um, I think a lot of us have that. We have this feeling that we know Jesus just enough to be saved, and it's uh, somebody called it fire insurance one time. But we we have the enough of Jesus that we're saved, and we're okay with that. And there's a lot of people who go to church because it's a. Uh, a community setting, and it's it's a wonderful time to worship the Lord. Uh, but there's the idea of, are, is what we're doing true? Is the thing, are the things we're saying oh, true? It doesn't matter. It exactly, and I think that's <laughs> but, somebody just did that. I didn't hear but, it on the but, podcast, but, but people will say, "Well, okay, you're going on and on about all this intricate stuff, three days and three nights." But we're just happy that God rose from Absolutely. the dead. Absolutely. And I wouldn't disagree with that. What's your problem? But, but I made this statement before. How could you claim to love somebody if you didn't want to know everything about them? It, it's the same thing as you being my wife. If I didn't know the things that you liked, if I didn't know the things that you hated, then how could I even claim to love you? And we do the same thing. And Jesus is, is the Savior of our soul who's going to keep us out of hell, who's going to create a new home for us. He claims to be our bridegroom and us his bride. And we're going to pass over some stuff and be like, eh. Yeah. He, he saved me. It's okay. It doesn't really matter. What are you, what are you arguing for? You know, and, and the idea is that it's just the um, the desire for truth. Because I know me, and I know I, I know you. Um, we want 
to have the truth. I want to have the truth. I want, if there's a way to be absolutely sure about something, I want to know it. I don't want to do things halfway. I don't want to do things um, partially blind. Now, you know, we're not going to see everything clearly. The Bible says that. There's things we're not going to know until we see the Lord. Um, but at the same time, his word, he's given us plenty of in his word to tell us what is true and what is not. And I think, you know, I'm, there's a lot of things I could talk about on the podcast and I've avoided them completely because I don't want to upset people. Um, but there's a lot of things that we hold in the current um, the church body, the congregation of Christ, that are not accurate. They're just not accurate. Well, I think that's what makes it difficult for us to go to a traditional church. Could be. I mean, I just there's a church down here near us, and I'll pick on this real quick before we end this episode. But down here, uh, there the, <laughs> the sign says, "Come experience the reckless love of Jesus." Oh no! Oh yeah, on the sign, Don't there's a big it. sign. Come experience the. And I'm thinking, no, the wonderful, the majestic, the powerful, the faithful, very focused. Yes. But the absolute opposite of reckless. So we'll, that, anyway, we've done that episode. So <laughs> go back and look for the reckless episode we did, Reckless Not Reckless. Uh, you'll find out why that word aggravates me so much. But anyway, I just really encourage you to seek the truth, know the truth. You can find more information in your Bible than you ever thought possible. There is There are scriptures there that give you uh, just the time and the date. And, and I mean, it's not, it's not complicated. Yeah, it's it's very, just having the desire to look specific. and finding it. Um, um, so, yeah, check that out. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Check us out on uh, Tuesday, uh, Acts mm-hmm. chapter 11. 11. Uh, we're going on with our continue the study of the book of Acts chapter 11 this week. Um, so we hope that you'll come back for that. Uh, like, share, uh, subscribe. You can email us at theabnormalchristian at gmail.com, theabnormalchristian at gmail.com. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you, and we hope that God blesses you this week. Bye.